Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And we got another Amy in the house with us again today. We love when we get to chat with with Amy because she brings so much information as she is the, you're the chief operating officer, right, Amy? Mm -hmm. Amy Mm -hmm. Kelly is the chief operating officer of Daily Clout. You can go check them out at dailyclout.io. If you're familiar with Dr. Naomi Wolf, you know about the Daily Clout. You've seen, I don't know if you've been following Dr. Wolf, but we've had her on our podcast. And um, she's had a great transformation over these last few years as her Mm -hmm. eyes, just like all of us, to varying degrees, our eyes have been blown wide open to the deep, deep corruption that runs between our government and, and big corporations, specifically in this case, Big Pharma. And Daily Clout has been digging through the Pfizer documents. I want to remind everyone, Pfizer did not want to release these documents for another 70 years. And it was honestly thanks to, I believe it was, was it Aaron Siri who filed the thing that said, that, that, that made the court rule that they had to release the documents. Now, they didn't release them all at once. And that maybe, Amy, you can tell us why they don't make them release them all at once. But in Mm -hmm. any case, you and your team of like 3,200, 3,500 people have scourged through all these documents and you're reporting what you're finding and what we're finding is still alarming, even though one of the biggest lawsuits, fraud payouts in history was Pfizer saying that they lied about another drug. I don't know why we find this shocking, (laughs) but we're talking crap science, crap studies, studies that are a a kindergartner could draw a conclusion out of the studies and and you just can't believe they did it. So without further ado, I'm going to shut up. And Amy, first of all, I would love to know why didn't they have to do, to, to, to reveal all this? And then would you start sharing the latest with us, please? Yes. So when Aaron Series law firm won this lawsuit that said the documents had to be released, their part of what was decided by the judge was a release schedule. And so they gave them, I believe initially, there was some talk about it being eight months, but I went back and looked at the documents and I don't remember seeing that. But essentially they have to release 55,000 pages or page equivalents of documentation per month until everything is released from the Pfizer trial documentation. And 
Sometimes it varies by month because they can release more one month and then release less as long as it all adds up to it in the end. And it's about 450,000 pages of documentation just for the um, Pfizer trial that was for 16 and over. And recently, just um, you guys are probably aware of this, but the documents have just started rolling out for the Pfizer 12 to 15 clinical trial, as well as the Moderna clinical trial. And those were lawsuits also won by Aaron Series firm. In part, there was another lawsuit won by defending the Republic in relation to some of the Moderna documents. And unbelievably, the Moderna documentation is supposed to be about 4 million pages and will be released between now and the end of 2025. Wait, how do you even read through four? I mean, that's why you need your team of 32. You're going to have to double your staff. Triple (laughs) your staff. Yes. I keep asking. I'm like, anyone else who wants to volunteer, sign up. Kristen, Kristen. Let me add more. I'm already doing it. Listen, this is the thing, though, Amy, that I Mm want to just bring to everyone's attention. Notice she said Aaron Siri and his law firm. Aaron Siri, we first learned about him through Dell Big Tree and ICANN, the Informed mm-hmm. Consent Action Network. We personally all donate to ICANN. We believe they have done some of the best work in terms of holding our gov- our holding people in check. If Aaron Siri had not done this, I don't know what we would know. I don't know who would have had the courage to do this, but ICANN funds his him to do mm-hmm. this great work. And I, I want to just, we pray for Aaron's safety and protection. Yes. We, we just, you know, because this man has done so much for our medical freedom that I think the vast majority of Americans have no clue about. So I just want to mm-hmm. shout them out. I can go check them out. But, um, but Amy, as these all get delivered and you guys get to search through them, I mean, we've had you on, you guys go back and listen to other episodes we've done with Amy. It's, it's male. We talked about fertility. We talked about what it was doing to males and females and fertility. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the latest that we saw Naomi on the war room to actually talking about, do you want to kind of start diving into some of this latest alarming information that you have the visible proof, the smoking gun that they and knew? Amy's the one that found yeah. it, right? You go. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I went. <laughs> yes. So one other shout out for Aaron Siri. He has a Substack. I believe it's yeah. called Injecting Freedom. Yes. Highly recommend following it. And then yeah. you're hearing directly from him about what's being worked on. So yeah, I'm assuming you're um, wanting to talk now about the FOIA emails. Is that what yes. we're going? Okay. Because yes. I know we talked also about uh, talking Everything. on the latest sure report. Yeah. Everything, but we'll talk, we'll start with that. And then the next okay. one smoking gun on to the next one. <laughs> okay. So we have an attorney who has um, partnered with us some in the past on writing letters to state attorney generals and has done a great job with that. And anyway, he decided on his own, I didn't even know he was doing this, to submit a FOIA to the CDC. And I'll read what he submitted because it's short. Um, he requested emails sent by and received by Dr. Rochelle P. Walensky, Sherry A. Berger, and Kevin Griffiths, all of whom are CDC personnel on dates beginning February 1st, 2021 through May 31st, 2021, containing the word myocarditis. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you didn't know exactly what you were going to get with that, but what it turns out we've gotten so far is 
the initial production was 472 pages of emails. And then we got um, an additional production that's still part of the same FOIA of 46 pages. And we think we're going to get an additional 129 pages. And when I say we, Ed got all of this and bless his heart, he came to me and said, I got all of this. You know, he's got a day job. He's like, I can't go through all of it. Can I give it to you guys? And you go through it. And of course we were like, we would love to. And as you said, it just shows throughout it, all kinds of people new at every level. I, um, I'm working on a little side project related to it. And I've counted up. It's about 85 people on these emails so far that we have produced. And I am talking all the way from like just everyday CDC or FDA personnel up to the Surgeon General and the people who are in the executive office for Biden. Okay. So you're you're saying, (laughs) to get this clear. That there's over 85 people involved in these emails that you guys are reading that, that you only have obtained because of a FOIA request that someone had mm-hmm. the courage to file. Freedom of Information Act is what that is, guys, where mm-hmm. they, they eventually have to show their internal information. They can redact it as Fauci has many times. Uh, mm-hmm. But what you're looking yeah, at, which whole other conversation, but what we're <laughs> seeing is that is that. Even the Surgeon General knew myocarditis was being caused by these shots in these emails. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Seed members, FDA members. Hey, those agencies that you thought were protecting you, that were holding vaccine companies and pharma companies in check to not harm you? No, they knew. They knew. <laughs> Amy, Amy's got her shirt. I was yeah. told. I don't have it on. They knew. They knew. And Amy's going to keep telling you how much <laughs> they knew. Okay. I just had to like make sure everybody caught that that mm-hmm. you just said they knew. Okay, keep going, Amy. They definitely knew, and so um, and from a different FOIA, from a different entity outside of this particular one, we also know that on February twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, I believe it was. Israel reached out to the CDC and said, hey, we're seeing myocarditis cases from the vaccine. So we know that they knew at least by then. And as you go through the FOIA emails, which are, to your point, heavily redacted, um, you see that the DOD also had early evidence of and in their records of myocarditis occurring. And so the CDC had access to these records and Israel was out there going, we would love to share our data with you. And, you know, so I feel like they had the Israeli Ministry of Health data as well as the Department of Defense data on this. And despite that, the internal people at the CDC were coming back saying, we don't see a signal in VAERS and something called VSD, which is Vaccine Safety Data Link. So we are not sure what the DOD and Israel are talking about. Did you get a Did you get a, like a gist from the emails? Because we were listening to Naomi talk about it, that they were indeed freaking out. Like they were, yeah, didn't know what to do and how they were going to cover this up and and. Or, you know, do you think it was because they had rolled it out and told everybody it was safe and effective 
And then as they were learning, it wasn't, it's like, they didn't know how to go back and say it wasn't because they'd already asked people to do it. But then they just double down. They just double down and say, yeah, it's still safe and effective. I mean, did you get the sense that they were like, like panicking? I did because you could see the back and forth and how quickly it was happening and how things were being emailed up the ranks of different organizations like the CDC. So they were clearly in panic mode over that. And also um, something that's indicative of that that to me is they were mailing things back and forth, such as talking points and tough Q&A scripts for Dr. Walensky to have as she was talking um, in public. And also, for example, they were having calls with the governors across the U.S. Mm. and had like their talking points and scripts around what they were saying on the governor's calls. So they knew something was wrong and were trying to frame a narrative around it is my takeaway from it. And when we say they, mm-hmm. who exactly, like, I just want to know who are the people in the driver's seat, like from these emails, I mean, was it Walensky? Was it someone telling her what to do? Like, who is the head in charge deciding to give the talking points, cover it up? Can you tell? Yeah. So they have a whole comms team, you know, communications team. And that is who's really giving them their talking points and interacting with people at different levels throughout the CDC, sometimes the FDA and pulling together this information. Um, One lady in particular, her name is Abigail Tumpy, I think it is. Abigail Tumpy. She's listed in the articles. And she was a communications person helping with all of this. And she communicated directly with Dr. Walensky and giving her, uh, you know, documents and presentations and so forth, which of course were redacted so that we can't see them so that she would have the information to go out in public and talk. I do see, I almost feel like Dr. Walensky was really kind of just a talking head um, Mm -hmm. early on in this. That does not excuse her not informing herself better. As it went on and it kept like getting worse and more information was coming in, she seemed to engage a little bit more and you know, want to get information for herself, but they were scrambling. And so the communications people were the people from Pfizer? Was it? There were some people from Pfizer who were linked in, but um, most of the communications people were from the CDC itself. Like they have a whole internal communications team. There were also some FDA communications people and then people from the executive office of the president of the United States and his comms team. Okay. Um, I also want to remind everybody that I've, I've referenced this so many times and I feel like this is one of those just pieces of art, like some one of the studies that you really need to just save. Because mm-hmm. if anybody wants to say, oh, you know, if, if you want to say, oh, it's not a good study, oh, it's not a good study, this is Pfizer's. If you look up just, it's the cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse event reports mm-hmm. of the Pfizer vaccine through February 28th, 2021. That is December 1st, 2020 through February 28th, 2021. Mm-hmm. So Pfizer already knew there were 1,223 deaths just with Pfizer's report. 
and it goes through, they go through a list of um, cardiovascular events, um, facial paralysis, um, mm -hmm. autoimmune illnesses, stroke, clots, all this stuff. And so, for example, cardiovascular symptoms, it says number of relevant events, 1,441, of which 946 were serious, mm -hmm. 495 non-serious, okay? And it goes on to describe it, but guess what they say? Conclusion, this cumulative case review does not raise new safety issues. Surveillance will continue. So mm -hmm. this is what it says in each and every one of these. And then, and I know you've talked about the pregnancy, the fe the fetal deaths, the fetal issues, the mm -hmm. you know, fertility. They knew. So we all already knew that Pfizer knew, but this is the smoking gun that everybody else that was making these huge decisions for all of us, our government, the government, the teachers, the police, the firemen, the mm -hmm. everybody, our children, mm -hmm. <laughs> they knew. They also so it's like now what? Like, are they going to continue to deny this? And how are they going to be held accountable? It is right. I always feel like from the post-marketing document you were just showing everyone, you know, perhaps there was some ability to say we were ignorant about this prior to that coming out. But once that data was available and right. the over twelve hundred or twelve hundred um, count of adverse events of special interest were listed there, yep. a pause, minimum a pause, if not a complete pull of the vaccine should have happened. Well, because now it's been two years. It's been two mm -hmm. years since they found this out. So but they continue yes. to be baffled, right? Yes, they do. Still they're still baffled. recommending it. They're still mm -hmm. recommending it even two years later, even after they've known for two years. So there's no escaping this. I just don't know what happens now, you know? Right. One thing I saw, too, in these emails as we've been through them is that even when they knew there were these incidences of myocarditis and they talked about them in public meetings, um, there's several different types of public meetings that were held. Their end recommendation was always we still recommend the vaccine for those who are ages 12 and over. I mean... 12 yeah. and over, y'all. 12 yeah. and over. It and was... how many deaths did the kids have strictly from COVID? It is mm -hmm. with this much, with this many adverse events and these many, this many unknowns and knowns that they were mm -hmm. claiming unknown, yet they still recommended it for 12 and over. Mm -hmm. Well, is... and one thing that um, that... Naomi was saying on her podcast we had to listen to is that I guess Fauci's the new defense is that they are saying that um, more so the myocarditis is coming from people who have had COVID and that's kind of how they are passing the buck mm -hmm. on um, you know that like oh well the kids with myocarditis it's more so from a COVID infection than a vaccine so I mean just shameful. It really is. And um, the, it's illogical as well, because when you get a COVID vac or when you get a case of COVID, right, you have that spike protein in your body. And when you get a COVID vaccine, you're injecting spike protein into your body. And it's really the same thing, you know, slightly different because of a 
how it is when it's a naturally occurring infection, but really the same thing. So it doesn't even make sense what they're saying is they would have it from an infection and not from the shots. And they don't know how many kids had COVID versus had COVID and the vaccine or only had the vaccine and were only exposed that way. Well, also they didn't have things to hide. One set of the emails we got, the second set wouldn't be 80% redacted. Right. No. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they wouldn't try to hide it for 75 years. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and this is the thing too, like uh, I believe it was Kevin McKernan, which this will segue right into the next FOIA or the next um, information you have on the contamination, Amy, because people Mm -hmm. need to know this, um, Mm -hmm. that Kevin McKernan, he is a what is he, molecular biologist, scientist, he does a lot of the, he found DNA contamination in, in the, mm-hmm. in the, and I'll let you explain it more, in the vials. But he's the one that said that you can show, and actually Dr. Colwood said that this too, if you're baffled, if you're continue to be baffled, or if you don't know if it's from the infection versus the vaccine, there's a way you can find out. They mm-hmm. can actually find out if the spike is from the virus or the vaccine. So instead yes. of just assuming, prove it to us, prove yes. it to us. And all of these sudden, unexplained, um, unexpected deaths, especially in young, healthy people at home, dying in their sleep. I've never seen such a thing. And mm-hmm. as, as much as it is, why are they not mandating autopsies? This is after the mass rollout of a vaccination mm-hmm. program with a, an experimental therapy that has never been used before. Why? I mean, we are all part of the test. I'm just the control yes. group, <laughs> you know? Well, one thing I saw in these emails too, and it was the first evidence I've seen of it. I haven't heard anyone else mention it. Is Pfizer sent a safety report to the CDC. It was this period of the data collected was April 1st through April 29th, I believe 2021. And it was a safety report on myocarditis and pericarditis following Pfizer vaccination. And the only page that they showed of the report was the title page and the entire rest of the report is redacted. So one thing um, that I don't think I mentioned already is Mr. Berkovich is pursuing an appeal to get the redactions taken off. You can go back and ask for that during a certain period of time and he's done that. So Hopefully, we will at least get some redactions removed. Uh, I don't know how much that will be. Oh, that, that's one of my questions. When you said the, um, you looked into why do they redact it? Like, how do they have the rules or the laws, like like their reason or justification for redaction? Because I feel like when you send a FOIA and you're trying to get this information, but they only give you like pieces of it, how is that? So they have something called exemptions that they use and they have specific definitions and they are the, they're called exemptions under the Freedom of Information Act. And for example, exemption four is they can redact based on trade secrets or commercial or financial information that's confidential or privileged. Um, exemption five is privileged communications within or between agencies including those protected by the deliberative process, attorney work product privilege, attorney client privilege. And then exemption six is information that if disclosed would invade another individual's personal privacy. So those are some that were used in the first 472 that we got. 
um, when we got 472 pages, I should say, in the next 46 pages, we got exemption five was noted again. However, they specifically said in this case that it protects interagency or inter intra-agency memorandums or letters, which would not be available by law to a party other than an agency in litigation with the agency. And it goes on, there's like two paragraphs, but basically this is the important part. It says the, the presidential communications privilege protects documents solicited and received by the president or his immediate White House advisors who have broad and significant responsibility for investigating and formulating the advice to be given to the president. So that was one of their main redactions in that set of documents. Now, and in addition to, I know that the FOIA request was looking for the keyword myocarditis, but didn't you guys find a lot of clot, blood clot, like some clot stuff in there too? Was that the same? In the, um, 46 page set that we got, we did find, um, oh gosh, I can't, it's like thromb, thrombitic, oh, V-I-T-T is what, is vaccine induced, let me see if I can find it real quick. Was it thrombocytopenia or was it? Yeah, like thrombotic thrombocytopenia, okay. so that's what it is, yes, and like you said, that is blood clot related. Okay. And y'all have already done another study showing that, that it was like a, a large percentage within 48 hours of the clots happened right after vaccination. And That's we right. That too. We've got that, that daily clout. Y'all, I'm telling you, you need to go follow daily clout if you're not following them too, because they are exposing it every day. Um, and speaking of, can we talk? Oh gosh, hang on. Can y'all hear that? Somebody outside my window. Can y'all hear that? <laughs> no, I did hear I that. that. Okay. <laughs> it's just loud. I'll close it in just a minute. But tell us about the, there was an article just on October 6th that y'all just released, right? About yes. the contamination. So, so this, beans. I sure will. <laughs> so um, to give an overview of it, the Pfizer trial that had like 44,000 something people in it and upon which we assumed the emergency use authorization was granted, had a vaccine that was manufactured under something called Process One. And back around May, um, Josh, and I never know how to pronounce his last name correctly, I'm going to try, Gutzkow, and um, his colleague, Retsef Levy, had discovered this process too within the Pfizer documentation. And I will say it's not exactly hidden. Like if you know to search for it, it's there. So you can find it in the documentation, but we didn't all really know what it meant, but they dug into it and found out what it meant. And what, what the case is, is it was a different way of manufacturing the vaccine so they could do it at a larger scale. And um, the process for manufacturing was different than what they had been doing in process one. So we all felt like they went through process one. This is what the EUA is based on. This is what they're rolling out to the public. When in fact, there was this trial within a trial process two that has a different manufacturing process and therefore is producing a different product. And that is what was rolled out to the public. And there were 502 people involved with that and um, 252 of them received the drug and the other were the placebo group for that. 
However, no results were ever released from what the outcome of process two is. So when you hear people like Kevin McKernan talking about um, DNA plasmid contamination in the vaccines, it's those process two vaccines. And that's what went out to the public. And so there's a bunch of DNA contaminated vaccines being injected to be into people all over the world. And what the big deal about that is, um, you know, there's something called transfection where DNA can get into human cells and the lipid nanoparticles, which are also in the vaccines, is something that helps with that transfection, mm-hmm. although it doesn't even necessarily need something to help with it. I just recently Um, read an article posted by a substack called The Daily Beagle that talked about how a transfection agent wasn't needed for that. It's a very interesting article. It can also happen when cells divide, that DNA can get into the nucleus. And what's concerning when they get into the nucleus is that then it can integrate into the genome. And so it becomes part of who you are. And then if you go and... um, reproduce, then you're passing along those, whatever the new traits may be to children you may have. I want everybody to just press pause and rewind and listen to that (laughs) one more time, because that is so incredibly important. And what's not only is that critically important information and horrible to know, Mm-hmm. But the fact that they lied to us and they kept telling everybody it's going to stay in your arm. There is not, mm-hmm. it's not going to interfere with D- DNA. It's not genetic, you know, engineering. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, it is, I'm baffled. The only time I'm baffled <laughs> is when I'm sitting here thinking how in the heck could any doctor, yes. any public health official, any government agency, anybody who has a heart and soul and any compassion, ounce of compassion mm-hmm. actually know this and then lie about it to the entire world. Yes. One thing to the, um, just to go back to the report we did on it, why we did a report, um, even though this information was out there already, like I said about process two is because our volunteers and in particular a pharmacist named Erica Delf found the 252 subjects that were in the trial and was actually able to identify who they were. They were all in the U.S. and they were divided up between four of the trial sites in the U.S. And so even though we knew Process 2 was out there, we didn't know exactly who had been involved. And now we do. So now what? Like, do people go back to the government officials and say, hey, we know, and we know that you know, you knew. Now, what are you going to say about it? <laughs> yeah. like, well, you, before I mean, we um, jumped on in recording, you mentioned the South Carolina hearing yeah. and Dr. Philip Buckholtz in there. He talked about this DNA plasmid contamination right. and mm-hmm. what was going on with that. So I do feel like now there is, you can't really call it accountability, but the information is coming out. But what do you do when it's already been injected into billions of people all over the world? You're just sort of informing them that you've got this rogue DNA in you now, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Right. Could people find out like if the, is that like in like that, how bad is my batch.com or like, do we know which 
batches or they, she found them, but. Oh, she found the subjects. She found those who, subjects. Like the patients who received it. That all of them are contaminated, right? Did they? In the, the ones that were rolled out to the public are all contaminated. That's right. I mean, so mm-hmm. there you go. And once again, we are exposing this for everybody not to instill fear. And I can't imagine the people who did get it. And you're mm-hmm. hearing this and you're like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? It's kind of like how we feel with our kids when we vaccinated them. And now we know that they've got medals and we do too. And, you know, mm-hmm. all things. just stop. <laughs> Let's yeah. like, The first thing we can do is no more. Mm-hmm. And the second thing we can do is start talking, start sharing, start educating, because the more people that are talking, I mean, we have got to get this out there. When you said that, you, um, who is it? Somebody on y'all's team that sent, or maybe it's the lawyer that has been sending letters to like the attorney general or state, like, I uh-huh. feel like we need like templates or letters that we can send to our, like when you said the government, the governor was involved in these emails, you know, mm-hmm. and our Senate and Congressman and Naomi said that someone in Congress has agreed to testify. Um, mm-hmm. this. Like what can we, can we like send something? Is there like a template? Is there something we can send to them, you know, or just send y'all to doctors. We need to send these to doctors. Yeah, I mean, like, doctor, we recommend, mm-hmm. do you know this? You know, yes. And see what they say. Well, Their answer will tell you a lot. If they even well, and it. also you can go to them and say, you know, it's not just Kevin McKiernan. He's the one who brought this out into the public. Since then, my understanding is that five other independent labs have verified this contamination. Mm-hmm. So it's not like one person found it and so it's just their word it's it's a solid finding now that's been confirmed by multiple people um you can go onto daily clout's website you can search for ed berkovich's name ed berkovich is b-e-r-k-v-o-i-c-h i think i'm saying that right and um you can find the letters he wrote to state attorney generals, and it gives you a great idea of what to say to them. His, I hesitate to call it an angle because it's not angle, but was the, when he wrote to them, he was saying, if the CDC had gone out and announced this myocarditis adverse event when they knew about it versus delaying their announcement, which I think was for about a month, there would have been potentially millions of people who would have chosen not to get vaccinated. And, you know, so that's caused harm to those people that would, it's basically a reckless, reckless endangerment argument. So you can find what he said. I also think I would encourage people, um, your governors were on these calls with the White House and with Rochelle Walensky. And you can look at our articles about the FOIA emails and reach out and figure out how to FOIA things from your gov- from your governor's office mm. and see if you can get a recording of the call because they record all those calls and it would be great to find out mm. what your governor was listening to and knew and perhaps how they chimed in on it. Ooh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think state level action is very important. It's great to try to get information at, um, you know, the federal level and we need that, but there are so many important actions that can be taken at a state level 
where there's, they have more accountability to you, right? Because it's the governor or it's the attorney general that you're their constituent. Yes. Well, let's all FOIA our governors for their phone call. (laughs) I mean, if there's anything we've learned that I've learned, and I know Amy too, like Mm -hmm. I I, I never realized truly how important it was to vote local, to, you know, work with our local government Mm -hmm. and really focus on that because that's where you're going to make the the bigger changes. Yeah. Did you guys have a FOIA request? Yes. (laughs) And sorry. Sorry, I've had technical issues, so I'm popping back in here. I've been trying to listen. Did you did you guys see? So, Michelle Walensky stopped stepped down from the CDC, and in they brought from the great state oh. of North Carolina, <laughs> yeah, the next director oh. of the CDC, who is I mean, I can't decide. I like my personal opinion, and this is just my personal opinion. If these people are evil, or just dumbasses. Or just dumbasses. Like, it's like <laughs> you're either not the sharpest tool in the shed or you're evil. And it kind of has to be one or the other. But it was uh, Mindy Cohen is her name, y'all. Mm-hmm. And she's on tape admitting that the way they made policies in North Carolina was she conferred with a Republican. She meant to, she made sure to say it was a Republican because, by the way, we're a Democrat. We have a Democratic governor here. Mm-hmm. Republican governor in, was it Massachusetts? And they're like, are you going to let football games happen? Okay, we're going to let, okay, no, we're not going to let. And it was literally, they could have just been like, you know, tossing dice in the air to decide what the COVID policy was. And she admits it. And this is the person you now have in charge of the CDC, Mm -hmm. which is partly why, what is it? 40% of Americans trust the CDC. I mean, it's less than half. I don't even know how there's 40%. (laughs) Well, who are you? 40% who vote really no. badly, too. So I'm sure they're the mm-hmm. same. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Mandy Cohen, she's also the one that just recently, there's a clip that was from the High Wire, a whole montage of all of them promoting their most recent booster. And she said there's, yes. what did she say? There's um, something like a mountain of evidence or robust evidence. I'm like, it, it was overwhelming, months. Months. overwhelming data. Ten clear. <sighs> I, I'm working on a story now. I will hold off saying too much about it until it's out. I'm hoping to have it out later today. But um, the propaganda continues and the CDC is working with state departments of health to, um, I guess you would say, train trusted messengers mm. and they're paying them to be trusted messengers. So um, it's an interesting angle on how they are trying to continue it around the vaccines and looping in the flu vaccines to that as well and some other things. Is this like social media influencers and celebrities or like normal people who like who are the, the tr- well, I know you well, want yeah, to. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on that. I will say it's we're people, waiting. It, people in your local community that you would be interacting with. So I will, yeah. more to come. I'll send it over. I'm going to start saying, how much money did you get paid to say that? That's yeah. right. Well, we see. <laughs> do you believe whole, it or do you? Yeah. Well, how did Travis Kelsey suddenly do this? You can get two commercial, the Pfizer shot and the flu shot. In the same week they announced that he's dating Taylor Swift. 
And now you watch NFL football games and I'm seeing her mugshot on the game almost as much as the game. It's so personally, it's annoying because I like football. I don't want to see Taylor Swift. I don't care about Taylor Swift. There's no shade or anything. I just don't care. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. It's like all of a sudden he's like the most talked about player in during football season is now doing a Pfizer commercial saying you can get two. Which, Amy, do you want to tell everybody, have they ever tested the safety of giving the flu vaccine with the COVID vaccine? Not that I'm aware of. And in fact, just last week, I was looking into this very thing. And back in 2021, they were advising one of the main things not to do was to get the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine at the same time, to wait at least two weeks in between. So once again, we've had the shifting narratives that always happen and what was once dangerous is perfectly safe now. Well, mm-hmm. so one of the things that we've tried, because like Amy asked you at the beginning of the segment, who is they? Yeah. We've talked a lot on this and I know other podcasters and other news organizations have had these that are reporting the actual truth. Um, mm-hmm. They've been saying the same thing. When we talk about who is they, are they all nefarious actors? Are some people just caught up in indoctrination and they, it's like they have cognitive dissonance, so they can't see. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we, because I think what people are saying is, if you know this is causing harm, why won't you report it? Mm-hmm. And we're going to say it again. This is the mindset of some of these scientists, which we know um, uh, former CBS and CNN reporter Cheryl Atkinson report, said this one time, and it always stuck with me, when they asked the, science, the vaccinologists and the immunologists who were developing the childhood vaccine schedule and the childhood vaccines, if you knew that this did in, in fact trigger or cause autism, would it change your course? And some of mm-hmm. them said no, because yes. it's, worth, it's worth the loss to save children from childhood diseases, which now we could treat far better than we treated 50, 100 years ago, right? Right. Um, kids don't die of measles that get measles now. I mean, it's just very mm-hmm. unheard of. So I think what we want to point out to people is they can know they'll lose some of us and they don't care. That's they true. They won't even admit it. The whole thing is like, mm-hmm. just admit it and give us the, let us, let us make the informed mm-hmm. consent. Tell us the risks and let us decide if the then risk. Nobody is. would. Nobody, and then would, nobody would. So that's the thing. They know that vaccine hesitancy shoots through the roof when they tell the truth. Well, mm-hmm. guess what's happening? Your lies being exposed is doing the exact same thing. Yes. None of us want to take our kids in. We, we're on to the pediatric well visit shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yes. We now know what a money trail that is. You pediatricians, and I'm going to say it, you can be offended. I don't care. Because if you don't acknowledge mm-hmm. that a lot of your income comes from those well visits, then I can't have a conversation with you because you're not honest. Mm-hmm. Well Anyone visits- who contacts me, I tell them, don't dare go to anyone who's affiliated. Take your children to anyone who's affiliated with the American Association of Pediatrics Never. because they are all in and they're going to be jabbing yeah. your kid every time yeah. they come in. And you're, what you were saying too is right. Like in these emails um, that we've gotten, some one thing that comes out is in at least two different instances people from the cardiology departments at children's hospitals were reaching out to the CDC and saying, 
we are seeing this going on. Are you looking into this? Are you going to make a statement on it? So to me, it's mind boggling that all these different people that we see in the emails knew what was going on. And yet, apparently not even one of them came out and said, hey, this is really bad and I need to come out publicly and speak about this as a whistleblower. They just kept it tight to the chest, even the ones who are working directly with the sick kids. Wow. And that's what we just, again, it, it's just what, I think what we want everyone to understand from what we can tell, and if we ever find that we're wrong, we'll be the first to tell you. It looks like they do know, they do know mm -hmm. this is powerful. They, some of these people believe it is just the consequence of trying to stop COVID. Now, mm -hmm. now we know that COVID for the vast majority of the population is a healable disease. It's something you get. It's going to be like a bad cold or a flu, and then you're going to heal from it. The vast majority of people do. The vast, 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 vast majority. We know they've overstated COVID deaths, by the way, by mm -hmm. what did they say? I mean, gosh, this was even on CNN overstated mm -hmm. by like 30%. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a big number. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not hearsay. This is fact. So they're scared of a virus. The only thing I have wondered is because we know that Fauci lied. We know that he went to see, we know that he went to the, to the CIA mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and tried to cover up the, that's now come out the story about the lab leak, unless they know this virus has some long-term um, effects that we are just so unaware of. Um, and then they believe that getting this virus, they're trying to mitigate that. But even that doesn't make sense considering that all-cause mortality has gone up so significantly since, mm -hmm. not since COVID came, since the shots came. Right. Then just either, and listen, my, my husband spent six hours in a DMV this morning, so the government running anything is a disaster. <laughs> I can't get my mail right anymore, okay? I don't know what country I live in anymore, but nothing works right, okay? So either there's just like, no, there's so much corruption, but there's also so much confusion that no one is just, why they haven't just put a full stop on the whole vaccine program tells you that it has to be about money. There's too much money and too much at stake. Yes, and Dr. McCullough called for that just recently, a complete stop on the childhood vaccination schedule, oh, which I, I mean, of course they won't do, but I would love for that to happen because it needs to happen until maybe an actual safety test is done for one, one of the vaccines. Actual, <laughs> yeah, One actual safety test. And you know, before we were recording, we, we did talk about this, and, and so I'm going to bring it up since Amy mentioned it. You know, we were saying how we vaccinate, all four of us vaccinated our children, but if we had it to do over, it would be, and I did stop at one point, but, 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 any, but, 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 but my youngest got most of them. Here's the thing. It has opened our eyes to the way it works. And if you start, if you want to look at the safety data or the lack of that, that Amy talks about in the Pfizer reports, you can also go look at the, the lack of safety data on so many other vaccines. Read Turtles all the way down. It's a great book, a good, great place to start. But we've we've shared this before when they, okay, and maybe I missed this when my tech went crazy. Did y'all talk about the fact that they wanted to test the Pfizer vaccines against men, the men, men, meningococcal, meningococcal. meningococcal vaccine? Mm -mm. Did you did you know that, Amy? I didn't know if y'all had seen that. Dell Big Tree no. just... Um, who was it? Dell. Dell. He had yeah. an interview um, on Epic Times or Epoch Times, however you pronounce mm -hmm. that. 
And he said that because of their FOIA, they, they actually noticed that Aaron Siri and them, that mm -hmm. they were in the phase three clinical trials, they were going to test the COVID vaccine against the meningococcal vaccine. Like that was going to be the placebo. Oh so they goodness. reached out and said, you need an actual saline placebo. Why would you do this? Now, I don't think they ever responded to them, but mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like the next week or two or whatever, they decided to test it against the saline um, placebo, which, hey, at least they tested it against a saline placebo, which is a right. hell of a lot better than what they've done with the childhood vaccines because they haven't done that. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy that like we're noticing all this corruption and stuff with these vaccines, mm -hmm. but, it, but it's actually better than what they've done to, for what we're giving our kids. And the Hep B vaccine was only tested for safety for five days. And they yeah. are one day old baby and it's a yes. bloodborne and sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's mind boggling. It's That's when I'm baffled. That's when I'm baffled. Yeah. And well, I always wonder, is the rest of the world looking at us and just like, you guys are a bunch of nuts over there. Like, yeah. you know, they <laughs> got are. needles sticking out of your kids everywhere. And yeah. I um, mean, they, they, people do think we're nuts. And mm -hmm. I think that at this point, I, I have at first I was so annoyed, you know, by, and I can still get annoyed by the people who call us anti-vaxxers and bigots. Mm -hmm. For some reason, if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're also a racist and a bigot and um, a homophobe. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you know, it all lumps Oops. together. Okay. A white nationalist too, regardless yeah. of your race or, yeah. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And white privileged and all those things. Mm -hmm. And I've been a Trump supporter. I mean, it, yeah. it, all those things. Okay. Um, but what I would say is, is that now I, you know, it's funny. I think with all, I, I, I used to wonder how can people really believe X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll use this example, flat earthers. Okay. I'm going to just say, yeah. okay. And I understand conspiracy, so don't hate me for saying this, but there are people who think the earth might be really flat, but I'm like, gosh, those are some impressive videos from the sky that the satellites take <laughs> around globe, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's just me. And so I think to myself, how do people really believe that? But mm -hmm. I realize now how the brain works. You indoctrination can be real for any of us. And the more mm -hmm. you surround yourself with people who quack, 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 say the same mm -hmm. thing over mm -hmm. and over, you know, just squawking, then it really becomes a part of like your reality. Mm -hmm. And and I think we're seeing that right now with Israel and Hamas, right? We're seeing we're seeing what looks like terrorists coming over a wall and kidnapping women and children, innocent mm -hmm. women and children, mm -hmm. and saying they're justified in doing it. How can someone say that unless they have been right. so indoctrinated to believe in the cause that it's justified? Mm -hmm. This is how we get to utter insanity and violence, right? And and so I know that people look at us the same way. How can you, how could you think that? Well, we give the actual evidence as to why we think that. Yes. And if you would just open your brain. I mean, one of our best interviews that we really enjoyed so much, Amy was talking with, um, with Dr. Pierre Corey, because mm -hmm. he said this whole thing just, he's like, I'm a radically different person because mm -hmm. I opened my eyes and just went, 
like started down the trails of, 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 of challenging his beliefs and looking at the actual evidence. And so mm -hmm. with every episode we have, we have a Substack that comes out. You should also go follow The Daily Clout. You should also go follow Air and subscribe to Aaron Series Substack. Guys, go consume this information yourselves. Don't believe it because we said it. Go. And they have their book too, um, their book on Amazon, right? That has all of this, the whole yes. clinical trial printed out. And the, kind of the Kindle version is still on Amazon and okay. a paperback version and a PDF version are available on in the shop on dailyclout.io. OK, mm -hmm. I have the PDF version. Go mm -hmm. look at this, you guys. Go look at it for yourself. OK. Oh, and, and volume two will be coming out in first quarter 2024. Oh, yay. Yeah. And I can't wait to uh, see get some popcorn and see what you're going to share later today. Yeah, uh, tomorrow or whenever that's coming, I'll I'll send we'll it over it. when I'm back. We'll add it. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> so you guys, and then of course subscribe to our Substack as well, um, and subscribe to this podcast if you're listening online. Make sure you subscribe or follow so that you get updates. But we're trying to just bring you the information that journalists who are supposed to do this job no longer do. Mm -hmm. So not all of them, sadly. So we're trying to bring it to you. Amy, thank you so much for being with us and always yes. giving us your time and really talking us through so eloquently the stuff that you're finding um, and, and for just being willing to donate so much. Of, oh, my gosh. You and all of these people giving so much of your time really for the sake of all of us. We just appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. You. I'm glad to do it. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.
Oh, 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 oh,